even when we send out text messages, we put some in, intentionally, some of them have typos in them mm -hmm. um, on purpose, you know, to look like, hey, I'm just a guy. And somebody responds, you know who responds back? People have typos in their messages. Nice. <laughs> and those are people and you look at it and there's some, 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 you know, there's some breaks in lexicon and you look at it and go, okay, well, I can kind of gauge by the address, your mm -hmm. zip, where you're at, how you text, you know, you don't know the difference between your and your, you know, all those little things, <laughs> um, you know, punctuation is, you act, they act like it's expensive and they can't buy, the, buy punctuation. And you go, okay, you got a pretty good idea of who this person is when you talk to, talk to them on the phone. So you get on the phone, you've already got these context cues. Perfect. What's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs. Welcome to another podcast episode. Listen, this is the Business and Investing Podcast, where we talk about all things business and investing related. Today, we're going to talk to a special guest who focuses primarily on virtual markets. He lives in Hawaii. He invests in multiple markets throughout the states. And we're going to talk about how he's doing this virtually by way of wholesaling, as well as creative investing. So he not only takes advantage of the, the discounted properties through wholesaling, but in addition to that, he's taking advantage of those leads that wouldn't make a good wholesale deal. You guys know how I feel about wholesaling and virtual uh, investing. And you also know how I feel about creative investing. Those are my two main components in my personal real estate business. So I thought our special guest today was a perfect complement to what we talk about already on our channel. And uh, he's going to provide us with a lot of value. I've been in clubhouse rooms with this guy. Let me tell you this. He is definitely doing what he says he's doing. He's killing it right now. And uh, you're going to quickly see how that's the truth as we uh, talk about what we're going to talk about today. Brian and Manley, what's up, man? Man, let me tell you, I want to meet the guy you just introduced. Like, where is he? <laughs> Great intro, man. I think it's probably the best I've ever had, man. So oh, man. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Happy to be here, man. It's a, it's a real pleasure having you, brother. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, like I, I invited you here. First of all, I appreciate you coming on the show uh, because I, I know how busy of a person you are. Uh, I know how busy it can get just being a business owner, you know, uh, but I definitely appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and share your wisdom with uh, with my listeners, because I've I've witnessed your um, your your business model through these clubhouse rooms. And just by listening, you know how you could kind of tell who's doing what just by listening to that particular person, man, there's so many people out yeah. here who I could just tell that they're not doing what they say they do. But, uh, you know, right. you were one that definitely stood out to me, man. So I, I, I had to get you on the show, man. I appreciate you jumping on brother. I appreciate that, man. I try not to speak about what I don't know about, man. Cause that, that same thing you can tell. You can, yeah. Look, I, I know this, this is my lane. I can expand it, but right now, let me talk about what I know, you know, and um, the same thing. I'm sitting in the room, so I'm going, who is this? Wait, what? So I'm following, <laughs> starting to follow and look and go, okay, I, I, I need to make a new friend, right? So I'm, I'm, this, this, is, uh, this is real cool to be here sitting with you, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it again. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, brother? Okay. So uh, I'm based primarily, so I'm in Hawaii now um, for a couple weeks here. I actually live 
in Phoenix. Um, but I'm, I'm all over the place. So I run my business kind of from anywhere. So I haven't really missed a beat. Um, my entire business model is just built. It's 95% virtual. And that other 5% is sometimes we lock stuff up in our own backyard. And even then, a lot of what we do is virtual. So even some of the guys that work for us in Phoenix, I've only met them once. Um, one of them was with us three months before I met them. Um, we're a virtual business, unchained. So uh, what I do is find discounted properties or find properties in markets across the U.S. Um, it's about 20 cities, 23, I think, was last got where we've wholesaled in. We've flipped in another dozen or so. Um, and the entire model was just fine. It's speed and volume. It's speed and volume. We still get some pretty good clips. So I don't want people to think that they're all small deals because they're not. Um, but it's speed and volume, man. And just we've realized that whatever we were doing locally, there's really with technology today and the way you can leverage it, there's no reason to not be able to do what you know how to do anywhere. So that's that's a little bit of my story, man. What we Absolutely. do. Cool, cool, man. So let me ask you this. So you, how long have you been investing now uh, in real estate? So the right way going on next month will be six years. The wrong way going back to 08. <laughs> that was a short lived. That was about a year back then. But doing it the right way about six years now. Got it. So, got it. Now, now, was it an easy transition to get into real estate? What, what were you doing previously? So I was in sales, man, business developed. So I was in pharmaceutical sales for a while. I was in DME, durable medical equipment. I was in uh, capital equipment. It's always been sales. Um, so the, the sales part of it was an easy transition, right? The, the hard part about it was the people management, bringing people together, creating culture part, right? That, that was the biggest challenge because you don't know what you don't know. So for me, the, 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 the initial transition was pretty easy um, because I got fired. Right. So, so I had time. Right. So both my partner and I both we lost our jobs in back to back days, March of 2015. And she knew it was coming. I did it. And it was a restructuring. And it was um, OK. So what do you do now? And so a couple months later, it was, you know, I, I know you like to flip houses. Let's let's flip a house. So three days later, I had the first house. It was literally that quick. Google how to flip houses. And three days later, bought a house. Um, and that was really the start. It was just immediate action. Wasn't wise action, but it was, but it was immediate. Gotcha, man. So, so obviously you, you made that transition into real estate full-time eventually. Uh, you mentioned about six years ago and, uh, you know, you started doing it the right way. What does your business look like today? So you mean in terms of structure and people? Yeah. Yeah. So there's myself sitting at the visionary CEO role, my partner at the CEO role. We've got an executive assistant sit, sitting at her right hand. Then we've got two and a half, I'll say three, acquisition guys. One's junior, three in-house lead gen agents, and one and a half, say one and a half dozen part-time lead managers. Gotcha. Um, and then we've got an agent who's almost like uh, Capadonna from the Wu-Tang Clan, who's like that unofficial member who's, who's hold tight with us. So we consider him family and part of the unit too. And then, you know, the, the, everything, there's a lot of contracted folks, but that's our core group. Love it. Love it, man. Now, obviously it took, it takes uh, a certain mindset shift to get into real estate and to be successful. What type of mindset shift did it take for you uh, getting started and building a team? Man, you know, I see the main thing is you got to believe in compounding efforts, right? Like you, you, you've got to know that if I do one thing today, one thing tomorrow, one thing tomorrow, one thing tomorrow, you know, there's, there's that addition. But the other th part you got to think of, there's also a compounding. It's not just one plus one plus one is three. It's, there's, it starts to multiply after time, right? 
And I think you have to know that going in because you get dealt a lot of crazy blows in real estate, right? Yeah. Like a lot of funny things happen. Like that first deal was a disaster. Um, but the mindset for me was this is still a way out, right? I, I, I did well in sales, but I always, I never felt like, like I hated the word you see yourself five years from now question. Because that would have been it for me if I told everybody not here, you know, that, you know, but that was, that was my honest answer. Um, so the shift, man, is I think, you, you know, you know, there's a price to pay, right? And sometimes you get paid after, you know, you get in, in when you work some, you know, you work some more, you get paid when you just show up here, you get paid after and for value you create. And I think the shift was just, you have to keep going. Even when that paycheck doesn't come, you have to say, I know I'm doing the right things and they compound. And I can't predict when that uptick will go like this. You can't predict it. Um, and I think that's the main thing is knowing there's, it's predictably unpredictable. No, it will happen. You just don't know when. And I think that's the thing you have to be okay with getting paid later. That's the main thing. A strong man. I, I love that. And like you said, man, eventually it's going to happen. You just got to stick in the game. Cause once you get, once you get there, man, the rest of it is history. You know yeah. what I mean? Dude, I'll say deal, mm -hmm. right? So it was a 50 K loss. It ended up being a 50 K loss, right? I don't advise your first blip being a flip being a $405,000 house that you bought from an agent who got it from a wholesaler and you don't know any of this is happening. Wow. Um, but the situation in that one was the comps were really strong in the low fives. House was super clean. We probably should have just wholetailed it. Didn't know anything about wholetailing back then. So we went and redid this whole thing. Yeah. Um, couldn't sell it at that 510, 520 number. Decided to rent it. We couldn't come to a conclusion, my partner, on what to do. I said, let's get rid of it, take our losses. We rented it at a loss for another year at $900 a month loss. Wow, man. Um, and then when that finally sold, my thinking was, I think this was a good thing for me. Mm -hmm. Because my thinking was, when I did the math, I said, I'm projecting, we'll lose probably about 40 or 50K on this. How long would it take you to pay that back if you working at a job? It's not no choice but to do another one. That's right. It was like, yeah, let's, let's do it again. Let's just do it the right way. And that's, that's what happened, man, is I took this loss and I just did the math. And I said, man, that's a long time. Paying, that's a lot to pay off going back to work. And that was it. And I was locked in from there. I was pointing no return. You know, it's funny, man. My first hotel deal, I lost $80,000. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was oh, rough. I only lost, look, I lost money on two deals in my entire 20 years in business, right? One of them, yeah. 17000 And then the other was $80,000. But I, uh, what? it was crazy, man. And here's, here's the bad part about it, right? So it was a seven-bedroom. The house was seven bedroom, maybe four baths. It was like 6,000 square feet or something crazy like that. And yeah. it, it was in terrible shape. And I didn't realize that when I purchased it. So I bought, believe it or not, man, I bought this house for $65,000, right? And by the time it was all set and done, I put so much money and time into making payments and things like that. I ended up losing 80 grand. I ended up selling at 115,000. But with all of the private funds that I had out and everything like that, I, I took a hit. Somebody you know I mean? steal. Yeah, it, somebody got to steal, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You yeah. know, but you live and you learn, right? Yeah, but, uh, you, and you, you, you know, everybody gets their day. Like, that was our one, that was the one loss. We've had a couple of flops yeah. where I call them hell houses. So there's been three hell houses where the profit is little. We just call them hell that's houses. That's what this was. That's, that's exactly what that hotel deal was, man. Yeah. Yeah, you could not get rid of it. Right? <laughs> I'm going to yeah. sell it to save my life, man. <laughs> yeah. 
It was what it was. Yeah. I was happy to I was happy to sell it at a discount. I became the yeah. motivated seller. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious, man. But um, you know they, right? Yeah, yeah, man, for sure, man. But what what other obstacles? Obviously, we're talking about obstacles here, right? What obstacles did you face throughout your investing career? God, man, I'll tell you, man. The uh, I think dealing with people is a big one. Mm-hmm. Contractors, man. We had one. This was Hell House number one, man. And I'll try to keep this story short, man. But I ended up getting sued for one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a flip. Oh, um, it was. We ended up settling. This is the thing. The one and only deal I ever got for mail. Mm-hmm. It was one hundred fifty k. Ended up selling it for like four thirty. But it took so long to get it done. And the way I knew something was wrong is a light bulb went off. I was, I had a contractor. I vetted this guy, right? So I made him send me a bunch of pictures of stuff done. He had to be in the photos of jobs that he was working on. I went to the homes of people's jobs he'd done and knocked on the door and talked to them, right? Nothing on his record. So this guy is golden. He was working on another smaller flip that actually got me into the wholesaling game. That other flip is what started the whole wholesaling thing. And there was a real smart realtor who was also an investor representing a buyer. And he found a whole bunch of stuff wrong with the wiring in the attic. And so a light bulb goes off and I go, this guy's doing a full build for me on another one. Let me go start checking it out. Next thing you know, we're having to hire electricians to come in, break up the pile. Anyway, long story short, the, it had gone under contract. The, this is the longest inspection period in the history of any house ever. So we ended up giving them like a 42 day inspection period, right? <laughs> so, this thing passes all our inspections, passes their inspections, city inspections, everything's golden. We end up putting um, like another 40K into fixing some stuff we discovered then just to not let this deal fall apart. The people are living there for about a month and a half. There's an elderly uh, a lady slips on some water that leaked out of a pipe, falls down. We find out the guy never connected the plumbing. We have to go back to the house, dig up a, a, a line that's about 60 yards long. I mean, it was another 670K. 18000 in uh, lawyer fees, $10,000 settled. Like, it just was dumb. And at the end of the day, we ended up making like ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000 on this house. Wow. That, 10 months. And wow. I think, yeah, it took 10 months. We had money tied up, making the payments. And uh, I think that one would have put a lot of people out of the game. But I think I was just too young and dumb of a thing to know, like, okay, things are going to happen, right? So... Um, but that was another biggie. There's been like two of those that were tough. Yeah, that's crazy, um, man. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I'll tell so you, man, you know, but it didn't take you out of the game, right? We face obstacles every day as investors, even being experienced investors, right? But at the end of the day, it doesn't take us out of the game. You know, I, I just talked about uh, an $80,000 hit. It didn't take me out of the game, right? right. You talked about a $150,000 lawsuit that didn't take you out of the game. Because what, 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 where else are you going to go to make this kind of money? Like what you're going to face obstacles. Where else can you go and get this type of money legally and not have to look over your shoulder? You know, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. Look, we, we probably should talk offline too, right? <laughs> 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 I can tell some stories there. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. So if we had to give our listeners, let's say, uh, I, I know we want to talk about uh, virtual investing today. I know we want to talk about uh, wholesaling and creative in, in investing in these in these different markets. And you're in over 20 different markets at this point, right? So yeah, we've wholesaled in over in over 20, and then we've got some new ones that we haven't done deals yet that we're now laying groundwork and prepping to start doing deals in them. But we've 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 
documented done wholesales in 23. Got you. So let, let's talk about that, man. What what does that what does that process look like? If we had to provide a step by step process to getting started in a new market, what are some things that you're looking out for, and why is it important to wholesale and incorporate creative investing into the into your business? So when you say, what does it look like? Like, what's our process to- Yeah, how do you, how do you, what do you go about to, what do you do to lay your groundwork in the business? Okay, so the very first thing is like choosing the market, right? Like, how do you want to go? And part of it, it's not, it's not entirely scientific because there's got to be the component which has got to be a place that I wouldn't hate going if I ever had to go there, right? Mm-hmm. There's kind of that component where, okay, I like this city. That's probably about 20% of it. But the main thing that you're looking for is obviously it's population growth. You know, and then, I, you know, one of the things we do is we buy local news sources in markets that we're interested in, like Phoenix Business Journal or something like that, because you get to see who's moving, who's doing things. What, are, what, is, the, what is the temperature of the city right now? Not just in housing, but overall. So you get an right. idea of what's happening there. Um, then I start pulling from there. And local news is going to have stuff that you're not going to see in these national housing reports and all that kind of stuff. So you get ideas about, you know, if it's not national, you know, OK, Google's building a, 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 a location here. Facebook setting up here, you know, those things that you might ordinarily miss if you're not just digging into the, you know, in the business, the business sphere. So we're looking at, okay, what are the good employers there? With those good employers, a lot of times what it brings, they bring diversity to areas because higher paying jobs, typically the talent pool is only so deep in different demographics and you have to pull this, these demographic together and say, okay, we can have a labor pool. So I'm looking for some diversity, right? I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at unemployment. Mm. I'm looking at, you know, and not just unemployment area. I'm looking at in areas, what does it look like compared to the whole? So I'm not looking at national numbers. I'm looking at, okay, what does unemployment look like in this city? Is it two, two 2% lower in this part of the city or in this area versus the state or this county? So I'm looking at places where people have got, um, you know, there, there, there's some stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at crime data. And then I'm looking at um, trends of, you know, appreciation. So going back 15 years, what, what's it look like, that trending? So, and it's different for, you know, if you're looking at like a city over a million people, that number is going to be different. It's a smaller number than if you're looking at one for, you know, like 500,000 people. So right. we, we here, so we're looking at our tier ones, our tier twos are, you know, we're thinking about 500,000 people and then 250 and above. It's kind of that, that we, we consider those our tier three location. So we know our marketing is going to be different in each one of those. We know our costs are going to be different in each one of those. Um, and that's what we're looking at. Are people moving there? And then the last thing we're looking at, but the most important likely is then we're using tools to just see are people buying because we don't care how much equity is in the property. Right. We're not in the business of creating markets, right? We're, we're, in the, we're serving markets that exist. And so if we look at data and there's nobody buying in an area, we, we, don't, even, we don't even entertain it. We send it to somebody else who might be interested. And that's how we try to keep it, you know, the speed component of it in play is, hey, look, we already know if somebody's buying there. And so that's, that's the choosing uh, of the market, kind of the top level. Um, Got, you. Got you, man. So, so you go into a, a deep dive into the market. Yep. You're focusing primarily on you know, three tiers of a market, basically 250,000 people and up, uh, smaller cities, mid-sized cities, and larger cities. And yep. you want to make sure that there's buying activity, jobs, crime, you know, make sure that, you know, uh, unemployment is low, crime is low. There's jobs on the increase, population on the increase, things like that pretty much. Right. So 
what's your next step after? So once we decide we're going to, we'll start, we'll start plowing, you know, peppering a little bit. So we do a lot of pay-per-click, right? And so what we'll start doing is we'll start running some, some Facebook ads just to kind of gauge, you know, you know, just to kind of start getting some brand recognition. And then the first foray, usually in a new market, it's two tools. It's texting and it's pay-per-click, right? Right. Um, we do augment that. Um, and usually the reason we're doing texting, one, is cheap. But two, it gives us an idea, even before we dig into the different pockets of the city, it gives us an idea what demographics looks like. And I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, one of our guys, his job every week is to give us give a readout on the Monday meeting um, about how many messages went out each market, what the response rates were. And so I'm looking at these line items week over week, and I'm seeing, okay, in this market, there's a 18% response rate, 16%, 13%, 15%, 4%, 11%, 16%, 2%. And you tease those out, and we look at them. And the, the thing in common, those were all markets where the average age was late 40s, early 50s, which means you've got a lot more older people there. Mm -hmm. If it's if the, the mean age is that high or mean age is that high. And when we looked at it, it was an area where a lot of older people settled. So texting is not a thing that we use there. So we changed from that. Now we're calling those people. So what we're doing, the first thing, though, is we're kind of just softening the soil with the with um, Facebook. And then we're hitting with some PPC to see what we get. And then we decide, are we are we how much are we texting here? Are we RVM in here? Are we calling landlines here? And then that's how we start with the marketing component of it. But on all in all of those, if nobody's buying in the area, we, we still move on from it, regardless of what kind of activity response we get. We just move on from it. So yeah, our process, when it comes in, we've got a couple different things. We talked about this like from my people and how it gets to sell on the back end. Did you want me to go on that at all? Yeah, for sure, man. Before you jump into that, let me ask you this, man. So what does your PPC budget look like when you're just getting started in that new market? Are you starting with like a five or twenty dollar a day type of uh, campaign, or are you just going a hundred up uh, on the on the campaign? I'll, I'll tell you this with PPC, and I caution people about PPC. So I, the disclaimer for me when I started with it was all I knew how to do, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to hire somebody and it had been referred, somebody had mentioned that that's an avenue I go down. And this is like, I think this is real important for people if they're starting to entertain pay-per-click and that kind of thing, because it's a different language for people. And it's very difficult to tease out who's really good in PPC and who's not, because there's a lot of the same people that do pay-per-click also do SEO, which is search engine optimization. Basically, it's manipulating ratings in Google to appear at the top. And right. it looks like you're, you're the cat's meow. So one of the challenges I ran into when I discovered content marketing was all these reviews of companies, I realized on the, they were just ads, but they were written like reviews, the top 10 this, the top 10 that. So it scared me. I didn't know how to figure out who was good and who wasn't, right? Then the second part of that is you go into pay-per-click, um, you've got different types of companies are set up. So some of them, they own your entire campaign. Mm -hmm. You decide that all the work and everything you've spent building stays with them. And that's what they use to keep you as a client. Other ones, they charge you a percentage. The more of your money they spend in marketing, the more they make, which right. to me is counterintuitive. Um, the more my money you blow, the more money you make. So I didn't know how to tease all of that out. Right. And I was like, this is, let me just study. So I got into that because I didn't know about any other tools and learned it only because I didn't know how to tease out. Guys wanted me to sign three-month contracts with $3,500 a month um, marketing. It was just too much for me. Yeah. So what my budget looks like right now is way different than it looked like then. But I'll tell people this. When you do it, 
whatever your budget's going to be, um, you have to be able to commit to it for about three months. Um, reason being one, it's just not enough time to know if it works before then. But the other part of that is Google AI learning. It takes a bunch of negatives and no, this is not what I want. This is what I do want before the AI starts to really kick in and it's able to figure out, oh, okay, this is what Brian wanted. Yep. Oh, okay. This is the kind of lead he wanted. So what people do is they spend a little bit of money. And I like to use this analogy. Like when you're, when you're, you know, on a plane, right? The greatest fuel consumption is like breaking away from gravity, getting up to cruising altitude. Like it takes a lot of fuel to break away from gravity. Gravity is weaker the higher you get. They go up, it hurts a little bit, pay-per-click, they land. They go up, pay-per-click, it hurts a little bit, and they land. And it's basically death by a thousand cuts, right? You, you never really get to a point where you can see a return and you stop whenever it starts to hurt. So I tell people, whatever that number is, um, there's two things. The larger the city, almost always the more it's going to cost per click, uh, per yep. impression. Yep. So my thing is we don't, we don't tend to do a lot of pay-per-click in major markets anymore. It's secondary and tertiary markets, and you still get really good clips there. And it keeps me, you know, I'm not looking at $120 a click like I would be in Phoenix, right? Right. Um, and so that's the first thing I caution. But I would say if a good budget, I wouldn't even begin to start to do it if I couldn't do about 3000 a month. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great, great answer, yeah. man. Now, when you, now, what type of lists are you texting to when you tap into these markets? Are you going after an aggressively motivated seller list or more of an absentee or vacant property owner type of list where you're going to build that relationship over time? So right now we're doing a lot of the, the, the uh, vacancy owners. Mm -hmm. We're doing a lot of those. We're, we're even taking them on with the tenants still in place. Um, gotcha. Right now, that's the low-hanging fruit. Yep. Um, Doing, we started recently doing some some low credit, low income, high equity, you know, so kind of layering them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then if you can layer in the age, you know, 55 and over onto that, that's primarily what we're doing. And so the only, the, what we do with the, the owner occupied, it's a little bit more dialed in, but a lot of times those are identified by, we've got people out that might look at areas and, and identify the property and send it to us. Right. But right as far as what we're buying, it's almost... Most of it is just the non-owner occupied because there's a lot of pain there. What we do know in the back end, what we're running is we're running the other ads for recognition because, you know, a lot of the people who are in deferments, um, at some point, those people are also going to have to, you know, there's going to be this market correction. Mm -hmm. So our long game on those is we're running Facebook ads in those areas and we're still running some PPC and that's a net that catches them as well. Um, so we use our list primarily for the outbound stuff and retargeting. And for the actual owner occupiers, which are some of your best pops too, mm -hmm. they're primarily pay-per-click. And then it'll be, hey, we're just, it's a wide list. We know it's going to take a long time to get through them. Um, but, but that's primarily how we're doing right now. We're just trying to hit it on a couple of fronts. And then we know, we know in a couple of months' times, a lot of those people that we've seeded and we've touched three, four, five, six times, um, some of those are going to sprout and they're going to be seeking relief. And maybe the answer is us. And that's the nature of the beast, man. That's the name of the game, actually. Uh, follow up, follow up, follow up, man. That's, you know, you could get the low hanging fruit, but really the money is made on the follow up where most people don't follow up. If you just, you know, how many times can we repeat ourselves and say, look, you got to follow up. The money is in the follow up. There's a reason why people say that, right? It's because yeah. the more times you hit somebody, you're, you're number one, you're, you're creating your own segmented list of follow ups out of some of your original leads. 
the more you follow up with them, you're building a relationship with these people over time in multiple different ways. So the more you hit them, the more likely they are to call you when they're ready to sell. That's what the name of the game is, man. Follow up, follow up, follow up. Right? Dude, you know, it's too. Yeah, because it's 100 percent because out of our last last 15 deals, six or seven of them were leads from last June. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's 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 awesome, man. So you got you got the market in place. You drop the seeds, the bait to see what type of activity you're getting. Obviously, if you're getting an 18 percent response in one market and a two in the other, you're going to drop the two and stick with the one that, that has the higher the higher percentage rate, the higher uh, response rate. Um, so what, what are you doing after that once you, once you find these deals? So when they come in, so there's a few different ways they might come in, right? So I'll tell you the process, like if they're a web lead and then the process, because that process is different than if it's, if it's generated by our lead gen, right? Mm -hmm. So when our web leads come in, our, the acquisition managers, um, they, they now get texted. We used, mm -hmm. They come through, they get a text, they're notified immediately there's a web lead. Our rule around here is you get five to 10 minutes to call them. If after that 10 minutes, it's, it's fruit rot, rotten on the vine, it's open season. And you know everybody else got that same text, right? So move to them quickly. They're divvied out in a round robin by our lead manager. So a hot a web lead comes in, it's one's for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. That's how web leads are handled. Right. Leads that come in from cold call or somebody else texting, they come in through a lead gen, they're categorized where they're going to be hot, cold, or warm. Only hot leads bypass the lead managers, go directly to acquisitions, mm. right? Our warm and our cold then go to, they come from the lead gen agent to the lead manager. The lead manager, which we've now rebranded, is follow-up specialist. Their job is to nurture, build that relationship, and their relationship, and we don't consider them just lead intake. They are the first, they're, they're the entry into the funnel, their right. introduction to the sales funnel. So they're in our sales training. Um, they're in training, they're hearing what acquisition is getting trained on, and they're at the front end of the sales funnel because their whole life, the, the entire thing they're supposed to do is establish credibility, um, establish a relationship, gauge where motivation is, and then establish this, these are people that are professional that can help you. And all of that starts with them. From there, if it's a warm and it's, you know, if it's warm and for us warm, it's, it's 60 days out, all right? Cold is, you know, cold is sometime in the distant future, I may or may not sell. Right. Their job with those is to nurture those, get them to the point where they're, they're warm or hot. Um, once they do, and they're paid for each deal that gets closed that they didn't take on. If they reinvigorate re, uh, a lead, we call it resurrect one, then they're paid a spiff of 150% of the regular bonus. So if there's a lead that's 90 days old or more, um, or if it's one that we shot or shot on and we weren't able to close and you resurrect it, we close it they're paid at a higher clip. So they're incentivized mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time on the older stuff um, than they are the newer stuff. Right. So from there, it goes to acquisitions and they, they run their thing there. They lock it up. The contract then goes to transaction coordinator and the transaction coordinator and discipline on the back end sell the deal. Got you. Got you, man. Now, uh, just to take a step back for a second, what does your initial text message look like when you're just planting seeds? So... We, we I don't know if you want to drop that right now, but <laughs> no, but I will I will give this nugget though because we change them a lot. So the only reason I won't drop what it looks like is because if people copy it verbatim, mm -hmm. then the carriers flag us and they make ours not work anymore. Right. So that happened. We actually had our account shut down for a full week once when I did that. So I got my hand smacked. I don't do that anymore. But what right. I will tell you is the initial one sound like a person, 
right? Sound like a person. One of them was, was hey, did, did you get that mailer I sent you? Hey, I'm just following up the mailer I sent yep. you. Knowing yep. that these people more than likely have gotten a mailer from somebody if they're on a hot list, you know? And if not, oh, sorry, I missed somebody else. Hey, well, anyway, while I have your attention, you know, we go into it. So it's very conversational, right? It's, it's nothing salesy. It's not, you know, I had one guy we hired and all of his messages were, hey, I can pay you cash. And, and, and they just look like those, those, uh, yep. oh, the, the, the rich uncle commercials for the, uh, what are the um, pawn shops? I was like, man, this is cheesy. You can't send these out, right? So it's just being conversational. What we do do is we have variation. So the texting platform that we use, it spins off a bunch of different variations of the text that it goes out with, you know, so nobody gets the same message over and over and over. But even still, we've got, we've got for each list, there's like three of those messages that would spin into a bunch of different messages. So it's very varied. Um, and only because we don't want the carriers are getting smarter and smarter. There's all these different layers of filtering out your text messages. Um, and so they're just very conversational and they sound like a person. That's just our entire shtick is, hey, I'm just a guy. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. I don't know the answer. If it's no, no harm, no foul. But we don't come across like this big company that's trying to come in and take your house away. You know, it's funny, man, because I, I use the same exact approach, man. Yeah. Um, I'll send, let's say, uh, a pink postcard in the mail. And then once it hits my mailbox, because I'll have it sent to me as well, I'll text them and say, hey, did you get the pink? Did, did you check your mailbox today? There's a there's a, a pink postcard in there, a pink letter, pink envelope in there. Uh, do me a favor, check it and, and call me back. You know, yeah. or, or text me back. So you you almost sounding like like uh, the non salesperson. That's what you want. You want to be the person, not the not the sales guy. You know what I right. mean? So right. I love the fact that you mentioned. Hey, did you get the mailer? Right. Man, you know, because check this out. So I tell my guys like we even practice stuttering and utterances in our talking. Right? Yeah. I'm a guy, right? Like I could say trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. Right. I was a sales guy. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm, when I'm talking to people, I gomer it up. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, there's some intentional, like in the script, there's mm-hmm. some pauses that, because I don't like, want to um, sound polished and too slick. Now, if I get somebody on the phone, he's a red personality too, and high level, then okay, I'm matching this guy where he is. But, you know, I, I tell them, I tell my guys, if you get somebody on there and they're not a real sophisticated seller, one thing is we don't want them to feel like we're, out, we're, we're positioned to take advantage of them because we don't want to do that. We honestly don't want to do that. Right. The thing is they've got to feel comfortable with you and you got to speak their language. So, you know, I'm not, don't, don't say underwriter to somebody who doesn't have any idea what you're talking about. That's right. right? Um, and so Talk their not, language, man. Yes. Yep. Even when we send out text messages, we put some in, intentionally, some of them have typos in them mm-hmm. um, on purpose, you know, to look like, Hey, I'm just a guy. And somebody responds, you know, who responds back? People have typos in their messages. Nice. <laughs> and those are people and you look at it and there's some, 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 you know, there's some breaks in lexicon and you look at it and go, okay, well, I can kind of gauge by the address, your mm-hmm. zip, where you're at, how you text, you know, you don't know the difference between your and your, you know, all those little things, <laughs> um, you know, punctuation is, you act, they act like it's expensive and they can't buy, the, buy punctuation. And you go, okay, you got a pretty good idea of who this person is when you talk to, talk to them on the phone. So you get on the phone, you've already got these context cues. Um, or context clues. So we try to do a lot of mirror matching um, and make it. It's not about us. It's about them. I love that, man. That's a great approach, man. Uh, I just picked that up from you, man. Uh, I got to be honest, man. I, you know, using 
uh, ums and ahs and and uh, misspelling words and stuff like that on the text message. I got to test that out in my own business, man. I appreciate you sharing that, brother. Um, so obviously, you know, there's a ton of different ways to market. You got to keep changing up your your messages as you drop seeds in different markets. You have you 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 plant your seeds in a market. You start driving leads. It goes through your entire funnel. Um, at that point, how are you? And, and you know, this is for everyone listening. How do you differentiate what's a wholesale deal versus a creative investing deal? Got you. So what we try to aim for in wholesale is, so it's, this mm-hmm. is somewhat unscientific and scientific. So we're aiming for, if we're going to wholesale it, we're aiming for 12.5 is our base wholesale fee, right? Our average fee over the past about four months is about 17, 17.5, somewhere in there. So de- some decent pops, mm-hmm. right? These are not major markets, right? Um, if it's going to be under 10K, then a lot of it the, the automatically goes to look and see what the wholesale uh, on the back end gives us. If it's skinny in a wholesale, a lot of this, a lot of how we figure out whether or not we're going to take it down and do something, it's how labor intensive is it. Mm-hmm. We have that same thing with assignments. So say, for example, it's an assignment, it's going to be 5K. I'm looking at how many hours of my guy's time is it going to take to close this thing and lock it up? How complicated is it? If you're more than a couple of hours, and there's a lot of moving parts. We give it to somebody else. We don't spend time on it. We look at how close to we, can we get to that 12.5 number and how seamless, how quick is the transaction. Mm. So if, it's, if it takes, I don't like my guys to spend more than about four hours on a lead. Um, you, you, figure, you figure you spend that time, you get your 10, 12 pop, great. Because what I'm also thinking about is we have a good lead flow. What leads are you leaving that, that you're not getting to? because you became a prisoner of hope and you thought, okay, I saw this one assignment um, and I'm going to spend 15 man hours on a $3,000 assignment. That was the situation that actually happened and it was mind blowing. Um, but sales guys always think everything's a deal. So what we're looking at is how labor intensive is it and what's the yield on the back end. And so we just had one today. We just decided about 15 minutes before this call um, when we were going to host, we were going to wholesale it. Um, a guy locked it up for 40. Um, comps are about 100, 115. It's carpet and paint. Our assignment fee could probably be about be about 10k on that, eight to 10k on that, reasonably. But if we wholesale it, our rehab is 12 to 15, and we'll sell it at 110 on the back end. It'll take two weeks to get it done, and then you move it. So we're looking at how fast can we get, how fast can we monetize it, and then proportional to um, the the assignment fee, how big is that back end and with the work involved in it. So assigning it takes four hours of work. This thing over here, because we got guys in place, takes us six hours of work and it pays three times the amount. Mm-hmm. That would be a wholesale. But it's, it's a function of time and how much we can make. It's not just profit. It's how much time and how labor intensive is it as well. Because spending time on that is costing us other deals while we work on it. That's right. And just so you guys know, uh, wholesaling, I'll, I'll link a video up at the top if you're watching this on YouTube, but uh, wholesaling can, you know, it, it's basically a light, light rehab. That's going to help you maximize your profit. So it's like a blend of wholesaling and retailing properties, except you're not doing a full blown, uh, you're not doing a full blown rehab on that, on that property there. Fantastic, man. Yeah. And you know, real cool. I want to say about that too. People think hotels are always small, right? This one will net out about 30, 15, but we did another one a couple months ago. We bought it for 203. And the story is we shouldn't even got this lead. This lady bought this house. Um, she bought a new house. She had this old house that looks great. The realtor who sold her her new house 
was also going to sell this old, her old house for her. Mm. They, that wasn't a listing agent. She ghosted, she ghosted the lady after she sold her that other house. So wow. she just ghosted her. So the, the lady's daughter sees our ad, calls us up. It's a clean house. We buy it for 203. We sell it for cash for three, I think 302. We put $8,000 into it. It was a clean house. The lady just didn't want it anymore. And the realtor ghosted her. That's yeah, the only reason about that it's deal. It's crazy. A lot, yeah. of the, a lot of the hotel stuff that we do, we just take down and put right back on the market without even doing anything to the properties. But that, yeah. that's on a deal by deal basis as well, man. You could make a lot of money doing that as well. You know, you know, I think it's real good about that, though, because this is something you, when you say that, I think there's a gem in that. Right. Because like what a lot of people I think they don't get like your average buyer, your average investor does two and a half deals a year. Like right. that's it. Your average one, your big guys are doing, you know, 10, 15, 20 a month, you know, those, and that's, that's major numbers, right? But your average is doing two and a half a year. A lot of them don't even know that there's this entire ecosystem of wholesale. They don't know what it is. <laughs> we just taught an agent broker this last week and the buyer who used her. Neither one of them knew what we were doing. So we had to go, we're not scamming you. We had to break it down. The lady goes, so this, this, it was a whole new world for her. This lady's yep. been in real estate for 30 years. But the cool thing about that is these, I remember when I didn't know where my next deal was coming from before I knew about wholesale because I started as a flipper. Mm-hmm. And I was excited. Anything that came out, I was happy to pay that fee. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand it. But I knew I, I couldn't find deals. And so I was excited. And so your average buyer who finds stuff on MLS, one, they're going to pay more. And they're excited. They're excited about the deal because they literally don't, they're not plugged into a system that's going, that they understand can get them deals uh, on a consistent basis. They just don't know. And on the flip side of that, I literally, I'm glad we're talking about this, man. I literally just had a buyer back out of a deal because they saw I was going to make 20 grand on an assignment fee. So this guy backed out. Guys like that, you don't really want on your buyer's list anyway because they're digging their hands in your pockets. You want yeah. the buyers to appreciate what you're bringing to the table, a good, yeah. high-quality deal. And this was this is a solid deal. It's a three-unit for $80,000, man. I got it for 60, selling it for 80. It's worth well into the hundreds, right? So at the end of the day, man, you know, if you come across these buyers that yeah. want to dig their hands in your pockets, lose them. You don't have to do business, especially right now when it's right. hard to find good, good quality deals, you know, and there's buyers all over the place. You yeah. lose those buyers. Don't even build a relationship with them. You know what and I mean? Let, let me tell you, because so like we very rarely hide our assignment fees, right? Mm-hmm. Me neither. We, like we don't hide them. And I, I like in a situation like that, that's insane because this person's buying an opportunity for 20K. You're buying an opportunity you wouldn't have had for 20K. Yep. And, and it's really the 20K is the end buyer's money, not yours. Yep. Right. I mean, when you think about it, it's a pass through right at the end once you sell it. So, I mean, we we recently did one right outside of Charlotte. The assignment fee was like 40, 45K. The guy saw it. He's like, I'm in. He's a guy that used to work for a fund. He got it. He looked at it. But before we sent it to him, we said, hey, look, and we, we even let him go over to the house of the buyer was there because you knew this guy got it. like any of those guys that we're doing big deals with. Everybody gets interviewed. Mm-hmm. They come in and this one, my partner, there, there's literally you schedule a Calendly link and there's a conversation. This is what we do. Here are our expectations to work with us. What do you need? But we're not taking orders for you. We're a business revival. We got a five figure a month marketing budget. That's right. We're That's going right, to man. create opportunities for you because we create them. We had the, the story about the wholesale. We there was more to that. So 
we, we had a buyer, we vetted him. He said he wanted this particular area. We said, okay, we weren't even marketing there. So we're going to spend a few thousand dollars, create some opportunities for you. We expect you to buy. We get this contract and the guy ghosts us. So that's the same house where the agent had ghosted the seller. We were going to assign this thing. And when I looked at the assignment, I said, well, why are we assigning this? Like this house is super, it's super clean. Yeah. Like, just, okay, we're going to hotel it. But all of those guys know ahead of time before you see anything from us. If we don't blast lists. People don't know volume because we market through multiple different entities. So they don't, all, they don't know they're all us, for mm-hmm. one thing. The other thing is the guys are going to get, get deals sent to them. We vet That's them. A, we, hold on a second, bro. That's a gym right there. No. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> say that again, man. That's a gym. If you guys didn't catch that, I mean, yeah. I, say that again, bro. So we market through multiple entities and right. Like you won't find them on my Facebook page or any of that thing. If you stop, you won't, you won't know that I own them because what I don't want people to do is want to track in my money. The other thing too, is I don't want a seller coming across their property, seeing that and having a problem. Right. I've got possible deniability. The entire, I don't know who that is. You know, that's not who you got a contract with. I'll take care of that. And so what we did, what we didn't want to do is because we use Facebook for a lot of stuff. We don't want people, we don't want to put deals on our page. Somebody goes looking at those and they go, wait, wait a minute. You're making how much and blow up deals. So they're through different entities and sometimes different partnerships. And we less so partnerships because we're greedy. We don't like, you know, we're not greedy, but we don't see any reason to give away money where we could just create another entity and sell the property that way. Um, but all these killer. guys have conversations. Killer, killer, killer tip right there, man. Yeah, man. Killer. It's been good. It's been good because we also get to use that to build a buyer's list and potential private money from those guys that are buying from the other entity. Yep. You're buying over and over and over. Maybe eventually you somebody wants, let's have a conversation. Let's pull the, open the curtain. Let me tell you who you've really been dealing with. Um, let's have a high level business conversation, right? So you've dealt with this arm for a while. This is really, this is who, this is who we are. So yep. a lot of it, a lot of it's just conversation. It's a business person's conversation. We don't go to them. Hey, well, what are you looking for? We say, hey, look, this is what we can do. This is what we do. Here's a long list of properties that we've done. Here are the back end, here are the nets. We track everything. We track properties from five yep. years. We track everything. We say, look, this is how things have played out. We just got, we follow them on Zillow. So that old properties that we sold and somebody, re- we, we wholesale, when somebody resells it, it gives us notification that we say, oh, okay, 1408 Keswick just sold for this amount. We wholesaled it for 40,000 two years ago. It pops up. Now we have that and say, look, these are the kind of deals we put out. These are the spreads that people get when they buy the deals from us. Right. If you want to be a part of that, these are the preconditions to being on, on, on our preferred list. The expectation though is when I send you exactly what you said you're looking for in the area you're looking for, and I've already spent my money, that you buy it. You killer, buy another the- killer tip. Another killer tip, man. Yeah. Zillow. Come on, guys. That was if you didn't catch that, rewind this podcast and listen to that part again, man. That another killer tip. Like like DJ Callis says, man, another one. Another one. Yeah, Another man. One. You know, I like I won't do the work of remembering, right? And you just follow it and it sends you. And this just happened yeah. to me two days ago. And I said, Oh, okay, that's what that finally sold for. I, I get to not use a mental bandwidth of trying to remember to go look at it. I just set it up in the tool. I, I, I lean heavily, heavily on technology, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so it pops up, okay, good. Catalog it. All right, this is now this is a success story. Buyer who's buying in this area, look, we sold this one. You know. Um, and you know, we've got all the before and after or the inside pictures. We've got the HUD, like, you know, we did it. We're not, we're not making it up. Um, and it's just, it just works really, really well. We, we, we've not had anybody 
get our assignment and look at it after they've had that conversation and and balk on it. What people do is they go, oh, we tell them, look, you should want us to make money. Yep. We make money, we're, we're unable to continue to create opportunities for you. What would you do without the opportunities? That's right? right? Because yeah. on the flip side of that is, what about the month where I've spent $30,000 in marketing and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't get my, my, my multiple return that I need to on that. You know, you're still insulated. You still yep. get the bills when they pop the next month. So a lot of that grunt work, and because we started as flippers, we speak the language. Hey, look, I know what it's going to cost you to do X, Y, and Z. Here you are. Here's how well positioned you are in this. You've got these multiple exits on it. You know, it's a business yeah, yeah. person conversation. And yep. there's, there's no pushback. I started off as a flipper as well. And then I got into wholesaling after the fact. It seems like a lot of the successful wholesalers started off as a rehabber first and then kind of segued into, into wholesaling. But going back to your point with the multiple uh, companies, you know, I just recently had a situation like that where you know, I, you know, I have multiple companies as well. I was using one company to purchase the property. The seller calls himself fishing the deal and trying to bump the price up. While I had it on the contract, he didn't know he contacted my company again under a different name. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we literally played the two companies against the seller to let him know, look, you know, we're, we're, we're the biggest game in town. Yeah. So if you're not playing ball with us. You ain't playing with nobody. Sellers lie, man. I say this all the time. Yeah, it's I, like we come, we, we, we want to assume everybody's operating with the best of intentions. Yeah. But I, I can't tell you how many, like, stuff like that. I can't tell you how many stories like that that, it, that I've seen where I just go, yeah, this is, this is the game. This is what it is. And the way, I, the way I reconcile that, I say, if I was in a distress situation, what might I do, right? And that's how I make peace with it, and I'm okay with it. And, okay, just go through with the transaction. Um, but sometimes I could turn around on them because they, they call that, and the other company lowballs them. And <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't think I want this as much. So yeah. if you open a can of worms, uh, you know, that's sometimes you can get that, man. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Now, look, you know, this has been a, an incredible conversation, man. A lot of gems drop on this podcast, man. We really appreciate you. Uh, you are really not holding back. Right. So obviously we can't uh, cover everything on uh, virtual wholesaling and creative investing in a short period of time on a podcast. So if our listeners wanted to get wanted to get in contact with you, how, how can they do that? You know, I'm going to tell people right now, go to Facebook, right? I'm just, you saw I'm terrible at Instagram, right? Like <laughs> I just, I just started using it. The whole message thing, I never see when they come in. Um, but I am getting better at checking them. I'm going to have, I'm going to have somebody help me look through those. Um, but both Facebook and Instagram are good. I just tell people, um, be polite. If you see something out, if you're rude, like I'm kidding, not kidding, I'll probably ignore you. Uh, but like, hey, give me, those messages probably just, I don't, I don't get in them. Yeah. I've got, I'll probably be starting a group sometime soon. I've got a bunch of things in the works, but I like to do things right. But in the meantime, right now, that's it. Man. Just Facebook and Instagram. Cool. Um, cool, man. Might take me a little time because, you know, I, I kind of feel like when I do things like this with you, that's my time to give back to people in here. And when I, you know, get on clubhouse and then the other time is my time. Although I do sometimes make time to go in there something moves me and I, I try to get yeah. back to folks. But I, I do stuff like this, man, to try to um, more so because I've laid low for the past few years. I've not really wanted to be seen or talk to anybody. Just I wanted to get laser focused and build a thing out. But that's how you can get me, man. Be cool. cool. I'll be cool and, and go from there. So I'm going to link Facebook, Instagram and Clubhouse 
in the uh, description box as well. Uh, just so if you want to get in contact with Brian, uh, you want to ask him a few questions or, you know, you, you just want to see what he's what he's up to or what he's doing. Uh, make sure yeah. you check out the links in the description box in order to get in contact with him really quick, man. Are you reading any specific books right now? I am. So one of them sort of kind of different level books, man. So how to be the boss, you know, mm -hmm. because I think I'm a pretty damn good boss, but you know, but I could, I cannot be, I could be terrible. Like, I don't know. Like, so, you know, so I'm getting feedback from there. Um, I'm reading that one. I'm revisiting traction because we're making some changes. Rocket fuel. Um, there was like four of them. I'm looking at because some next step things, complete NBA for dummies. Um, and then I'm reading one that's completely, it's called Homo Jew. It's by uh, the guy that wrote Sapiens. It's some other book that's completely un, not related to business. But those are the five that I'm doing this with right now, man. Cool, cool, man. I'll link them in the uh, description box as well. Now, listen, yeah. Brian, if you had to give our listeners any last words, man, what would that be? This is the gym I tell everybody, and I couldn't mean it more. If you're, if you're in the prospect and business looking for properties, man, you're looking for problems, not properties, right? It is the ultimate mind hack. So when you get call reluctance, you don't feel like picking up the phone. I mean, I've been in sales a long time, right? And sometimes you don't want to, right? So I tell my guys, you're looking for problems and not properties. And what that does is it releases, one, the stress. If you ever feel that, hey, you know, I'm trying to talk people into doing something, it alleviates that. You're looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. If you're ever trying to figure out whether or not you spend a lot of time on a property, is there a problem you can solve? If it's not, move on. It saves you a ton of time. It saves you a lot of mental anguish. And in the end of it, you frame it and you're literally looking to do good for somebody who's looking for somebody to do good for them. That's the ultimate brain hack that I can share with anybody. You're looking for problems, not properties. Good stuff, man. Really appreciate you. Listen, we got to have you back, man. Um, I know for sure there's so much that we could talk about. We have a lot in common, whether you knew it or not. And yeah. um, we're, uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, we're both in this business. There's a lot to talk about, a lot more to cover. If you guys want to see Brian back, make sure you leave a comment in the comment section if you're here on YouTube. Uh, also, Brian, man, we really appreciate you taking the time out to, to really share some gems. Now, I picked up a couple of gems myself, and I've been in the business for 20 years. So that goes to show how long or, or how much you can learn just by talking and listening to other people yes. as well, because everybody has a different approach in business, right? And yeah. all of us can learn something from each other. So that's why I like doing these podcasts so much, man. So I, I appreciate that and uh, looking forward to having another conversation with you. But listen, yeah. uh, listen, guys, if you at, you know, at any point in this podcast, if you picked up any gems, you're watching this on YouTube, do me a favor, leave what that gem was in the comment section and make sure you like this video. And if you're not subscribed to this channel, subscribe to this channel for more content just like this. If you're listening to this on a podcast and you want to see Brian and I face to face, make sure you check this out on YouTube as well. But I really appreciate you guys' time. I appreciate you guys supporting this channel, listening to this channel. And it's my job to make sure that I'm providing uh, the best content that I can find and produce for you guys to take your, your business from where you are right now to where you want to go in business. I appreciate you guys. And I'll talk to you on the next one. Peace. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at 
youtube.com forward slash Jamel Gibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm in LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to REI Education Academy. Dot com, and that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.